Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Happy Best Friends Day. People, let me tell you about my best friend. Yeah, you've got a friend in me. You've got a friend. Happy National Best Friends Day, everybody. It is the 8th of June, and today we honor that one or more person, people, we can go to when we've got a problem or a body to bury or whatever. I mean, best friends are best friends for a reason, right? Yep. I totally concur with this. And you believe you can have more than one best friend? You know, I know everybody's experience is going to range on this because that's the beauty of life. Some people do only have one person that they go to and that's their person. That's fine if that works for you. Uh, For me, I have a group of people. I have a group of really close girlfriends I have known since I was five years old. We have shared all of our milestones together, been at all of each other's weddings and seen kids and, and we continue to watch our kids grow up and... We get together several times a year. I can count on them for a lot. They know a lot of things about me. I know a lot of things about them, um, and I will remain a vault for them. So, I mean, I count on two hands the amount of best friends that I consider having, and maybe that just makes me uh, blessed, if you will, Uh, but that is truly how I feel. I have several best friends. See, for me, I think I have a best friend, but I don't know if I would want to identify that person as a best friend because there's others that are really close and they're above like acquaintance status. But I don't know that I'd want to name just one and center anybody out. So, yeah, I guess I'm going to go along with you on that. Eighty eight percent of us say we do have a best friend that we met in school or shortly after. All ages agreed that best friends go all the way back to the teen years. Mm-hmm. that's legit for me too. I mean, I've got really close friends that um, I've come to know since I became an adult, but some of my OGs from school, yeah. they're still in the picture and that's I love good. them. That's good. I like that because there's a, there's like history there too, right? Like, yes, when you're, let's say my example, five, you be friends with anybody, you'd be friends with a paper bag. But when that relationship kind of grows and you you can actually have each other in you know in your corner for things and you go through life's milestones i think that's what really develops to become best friends so that's i think that's cool whether you have one whether you consider it your your pet your spouse or a, a good girlfriend or a good guy friend whoever that might be to you we all need at least one right i think we all need at least one person we can truly count on 100% that we would consider a best friend and it's a two way street too right Two it's got to be a two-way street. You can't have street. a one-way best friend yes. relationship. That is such an important thing that on National Best Friends Day, we should stress. Because I've cut people out of my life for not giving. You know, I've given, given, given. I'm done. I give up. But if you, Because if you can't reciprocate this friendship, that's it. Much like any relationship. So on National Best Friends Day, make sure you reach out to your best friend or best friends uh, or pet your cat. I mean, whoever your best friend is and let them know. One more thing on best friends before we move on. One in five people say their best friend is their dog. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't surprise me. You know, there's a special there's a special bond there for people and their pets. And maybe that they are a type of therapy for you, too. And you lean on them a lot. And obviously you do a lot of good things for your for your pet, for your dog, let's say. And they'll in return, they give you this like endless love. It's it's kind of beautiful, isn't it? 
It is beautiful. I totally agree with you. Uh, Coming up, we are going to talk about the reopening of Ontario. So, yes, we will be talking about Doug fucking Ford. Fuck you, Doug! (laughs) But first, a couple of other things. Number one, let's go to the federal government for a sec. They've made headlines for various reasons. Remember uh, that MP Will Amos, who was caught not once, but twice in one month with his dick out on camera in Parliament? He has now been found in contempt of the House of Commons. Speaker Anthony Rota ruled that Amos breached the privileges of his fellow MPs last month when he urinated while his computer camera was on during their internal parliamentary feed of proceedings. He noted that Amos has apologized for the mistake and stepped aside from his parliamentary secretary rule to seek assistance. But Rota says the matter deserves further study by House Committee. Fuck me. That's the last thing he wants to do is relive that, right? Hang on. So a committee's going to have to judge the footage to see if he, like, purposely took a pee on camera? Is that basically their job or that the intent was there to do this? Well, I mean, I can't... I, I don't know. I think what we're doing here is we're debating whether or not he likes people to see his dick or if he's just completely incompetent. And I don't think I'd want to sit through either of those findings. Yeah. And his and we mentioned it when it happened, when the apology came down, we mentioned that it was such an interesting way to say it, that uh, here's my apology. I'm going to have I'm going to take some time to seek some help uh, with with what exactly. So, I mean, he didn't admit that he has a problem, but we know that that's a thing for people to have a problem. We also know when you've gone through one scenario like that, if you really are that embarrassed, you are scared so shitless of that. You probably make sure you do everything in your power to make sure that something like that doesn't happen again. Let alone, what, within a month of each other that happened? Yeah, I mean, the first time, I think most people remember, he had his hand covering his pecker so you couldn't see it. But he was he was obviously naked. He was showing off his bod. Second time, he went to take a pee, door open, camera on. Like, fuck off, dude. There's something yeah, going on yeah. there. And what is it? Wh- which lane do you want to drive in? Do you want to be completely incompetent or do you like to be watched by yeah. your colleagues in the Parliament of Canada? Yeah. Jesus, dude. Uh, there's another story. Heritage Minister Stephen Gilbo. He's the one who's responsible for Bill C-10, the one to regulate the Internet. And he's the one who's adding the HST to your Netflix bill and all that sort thanks, of shit. Thanks for that. Thanks, Steve. We don't have a fuck you, Steve, do we? <laughs> I'll create one. <laughs> fuck you, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Steve here had to clarify yet another thing about Bill C-10 yesterday. I don't know, maybe this guy's a genius, but he's a shitty communicator, but this has been nothing but issues. Yesterday, Gilbo said that Bill C-10 aims to regulate YouTube, Facebook, and other platforms, but will steer clear of content moderation. Now, this is particularly relevant because it was the new Democrat MP, Charlie Angus, who was questioning him yesterday in the House. And he wanted to know if we're going to regulate pornography on the Internet. (sighs) Ooh, I'd love to be in on the liberal cabinet meeting when they discuss guys. Okay, so we're going to regulate the Internet and shit. What about porn? 
Because Pornhub is a Canadian company. And that's one of the biggest places on the internet that people go to find nude frolicking. You know, I beg to differ that there's not a ton of Canadian content on there. Oh, I think there's tons. There's beavers every time that you click on a video. (laughs) All I see are beavers. So I'm pretty sure that sounds like Canadian content to me. In a way, it is, Kat. Very good. Very good. I'm wondering, like... Can you imagine that somebody's doing a, a, a porn shoot and I don't know, they've got like their hotel room booked and they've got their actors and, and all good to go. And then somebody has to walk in and pull the plug on that production because there's not enough Canadians in it. Yeah, I don't know how you <laughs> I don't know how you, how you regulate that. I, I don't know. Maybe there is an actual answer, but you're right. I, I would love to be just a fly on the wall in that conversation when when that happens. I'm going to need to see your passport before you go down on that other woman, please. <laughs> yeah, your tits are great, but we need to know if you're Canadian. Uh, well, born, like landed immigrant. Uh, what's the deal with you here? We need to know. Uh... Fuck's sake. You want to talk about shit they just don't want to deal with? I'm sure they didn't even anticipate the porn question coming up, but it did. Wow. And now they say they are not going to regulate porn content. Uh, last thing on this, our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is taking a bit of heat, and I don't even know that this one is justified. I think this one's a bit of a stretch, but the Prime Minister is going to attend the G7 conference over in Cornwall, United Kingdom, this coming week, and when he gets back, he's supposed to go to the quarantine hotel, technically, right? Mm-hmm. So he didn't want to be that guy and say, uh, fuck, no, I'm not going to the quarantine hotel, even though there's no reason for him to quarantine. He's had one dose of vaccine that we know of, and he's the prime minister. He's going to be very, very, very well protected at the G7. You can bet that anybody getting anywhere near those world leaders is thoroughly tested to make sure they're safe. I think that there's very few places on Earth as safe as a G7 conference. But anyway, uh, so he said, uh, yeah, all right, I'll go to the quarantine hotel. Now people are making a big deal out of the fact that he's not going to the quarantine hotel, the ones outside Pearson Airport. Instead, he's going to land in Ottawa and him and his entire entourage are going to go to an Ottawa hotel and do their quarantine there when they return to Canada. Isn't that good enough? Do we actually need him to go and stay at? Some middle-of-the-road shit hotel by the airport People in just Toronto. want that. People just want that, of course. People want it. So I'm not surprised that people are calling for it. But I'm with you where I think that's fine. I'm fine with that. You know, he's got a job that he needs to do. Just let it, let it go. I mean, I think that what we should be doing here is looking at actual risk. And I think the prime minister going over to England for this thing, that's fairly low risk. Now, if they want to grab all those media people that travel with the prime minister when he goes to events like this and stick them in a quarantine hotel. Yeah, I'm okay with it. And you know what? Go ahead and send the bill to CTV and Global and CBC. I'm totally fine if you want to make the people uh, that are with him go. But the prime minister himself is pretty well safe. I I don't think that we need to worry about a fourth wave starting because Justin Trudeau stayed at a hotel in Ottawa instead of Toronto. But either way, I mean, the federal government has got some tough decisions to make. Doug Ford is just going on and on and on about the border and the variants didn't swim here. But Trudeau's getting a lot of pressure to open the border. And frankly, it's kind of hard to understand why it's not. So the rumor is. June 22nd, the Canada-U.S. border will reopen, and Trudeau's own panel 
that he appointed to study border travel or border crossing and international travel has come back to the prime minister and said, your quarantine hotel idea thing is stupid. It's punitive and it's not effective and it's not necessary. If it's a Canadian citizen coming back, go with the original plan. They test before they get to the border. They test at the border. They quarantine at home. You don't need to hand them a three or $5,000 bill to stay in a hotel for a couple of nights. Just let them quarantine on their own. That's reasonable, right? So now what do we do when the U.S. is basically going to open up that border on the 22nd regardless? Mm -hmm. That's the way it looks because Joe Biden wants the border open. Right. The proposal is you get tested before you get to the border. You get tested at the border. And if you're at least partially vaccinated, you have to go home and self-isolate until your test at the border comes back negative. Once it comes back negative, boom, you're free and clear. If you're fully vaccinated, you get tested before you come. You get tested at the border. If your test at the border is negative, no quarantine. To me, that's a fairly reasonable compromise. I I don't understand why anyone would have a problem with that. I think so, too. And if we were talking about pre-vaccine, I think we would be having a different conversation. But we're we're not. I think we can start to... To move along. And I understand people getting a little bit nervous about that, but I'm for let's move along and we're doing and we do it carefully. But in every single way, on every single level, let's let, I'm, I'm fine with all of it. I really, truly am. If something yeah. bad happens, then then we can say something bad has happened. But so far, with the amount of vaccines going in arms, um, you know, cross border in the states, I don't think they have massive issues even. So I don't know. Like, let's just give it a shot here. I think so, too. I mean, there's people that can't see their family because they can't cross the border for it's not considered essential. If your uh, I don't know, wife and kid are in the States, but you're here, you can't go and visit. They can't come here. And that's crazy. There's stories on the news every night of people that haven't seen a kid of theirs that's been born since the border closed. It's crazy. Uh, Americans really do seem to believe in the vaccines. Our government, I don't know, but Americans do. And yesterday, Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, tweeted out, most remaining COVID restrictions will be lifted when 70% of adult New Yorkers have received one dose of COVID vaccine. We are 1.4% away from hitting that goal, so go get vaccinated. Wow. New York could be almost completely reopened, most remaining COVID restrictions lifted this weekend. Wow. They need like, uh, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand more people to get the shot, and they're opening up again fully in New York. Okay. I mean, that's good. That is good news, because, and that's something that we can keep our eye on. And I hate to be that person that wants to see a guinea pig go first, but it, sometimes it is good to see that the state is moving along. And we have already seen it in other states. Obviously, this is not going to be the first one. Uh, Vegas has already basically opened up. Wait, Texas did many, many months, months ago, it feels like now, basically completely opened up. So to see those things happening and know that they're not in a crisis, and I'm sure that I don't know what their hospital count is. I'm not sure if you know, Scott. Uh, if they're, they're fine, they've got lots of capacity, right? So, I mean, it, it does go by that too. And that I fully understand because one would argue that our hospital capacity is not as high. So that's why it's a little more dangerous. Fine. But if they can do something like that on their level and this ends up going well over the next little while, I see no reason why after step three, we need to put in more restrictions. Why we can't just be like, let's do this thing. Let's open up completely. 
Yeah, I... Uh, I know it's a right. hot take for some. I know some people would like to be a lot more careful, and I get it. I totally get it. But if the vaccines work the way that they're supposed to work, I don't understand why there should be a massive issue. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, do they work or do they not? At some point, it has to be more than get vaccinated to protect yourself, your family, and your friends. That's great, and that inspired a lot of people to go get a shot. But eventually, you've got to put a little more out there. And we've tied our entire reopening to vaccinations. In order to get to step two, what is it? We have to have 20% fully vaccinated in Ontario in the next 25 days? That seems like a tall order for me. I I don't know if we're going to get there. But uh, yesterday, the government, with very, very little fanfare, announced that we will slowly start reopening the Ontario economy this Friday, three days ahead of schedule. Okay, well, I mean, three days is still better than nothing. It's an extra weekend of sales, but there's a lot of businesses that can't open. So here's the summary. Uh, As of this Friday, outdoor gatherings of up to 10 people are allowed. Limited outdoor dining will be permitted. That's four per table if they're not from the same household. You can go a little more than four if they are all from the same household. Retail businesses will be allowed to open for in-person sales, but with strict capacity restrictions. So a lot of the stores that are closed now are going to reopen. Home Depot, Canadian Tire, uh, Winners, Mm -hmm. HomeSense, they can all open up, but only at 15% capacity. If the store can hold 100 people inside, only 15 will be allowed in at a time. Whatever. Just get them fucking open. Yeah. You know what? I mean, there are people. We did a survey this morning on our FM radio show on 91.5 The Beat in Kitchener. If you uh, want to give it a listen, we're on 530 till 930 Eastern time. And we asked people with all these weeks of everything being closed. Can't buy anything that's not what's considered essential. What do you need to get this weekend? I couldn't believe how many people said they need to buy underwear. Like that was (laughs) fucking crazy to me. How many people apparently are in dire need of underwear and they didn't want to buy it online yeah i and if you do buy underwear at any time in life you should probably know what kind you like and you should be able to get it shipped but maybe these are people who maybe their underwear doesn't fit as well as it did or maybe they just don't own a lot i own about 50 pairs of underwear it's really ridiculous and now i'm like ha now there's a good reason why i own that many i don't have the need to purchase more i just kind of buy them when i see them and like them but they're, I mean, you're right, Scott, socks and underwear. We're both like, I need, I need these things. A lot of people claim that they need them, like now. Kids close. Yeah. Huge it's cr- Okay, that one I understand. I think every adult should know what size there are. If you're an adult, you should have no problem buying something online, particularly guys, because guys, let's be honest, small, medium, large, extra large. In most cases, that's what it is. You know roughly what size jeans you wear. You know that your your underwear is, oh, I wear an extra large. Okay, I mean, that shouldn't be a hard thing. It's a little more tricky with women. But when it comes to kids, there's really no way to tell because they grow so quickly. I mean, I, I don't understand kid sizes to begin with, and yeah. I'm a parent. But I, I understand that there's parents out there who need to get running shoes. And they can't buy them online until they get their kid's foot measured. Mm-hmm. It makes perfect sense. They need to buy uh, new sleepers for their infants or whatever. It's been a colossal pain in the ass with all these things closed. Yeah. So there's going to be a shopping spree and lineups 
everywhere this coming weekend. Everywhere. It's going to be nuts. I think so, too. And there's those shopping enthusiasts that don't necessarily need anything. They just love shopping. And they're going out this weekend. Okay, so my thoughts on it are I'm definitely not one of those people that need something necessarily. I was uh, fully admittedly one of the people that... I I looked around and nobody was there, so I grabbed stuff that was not necessarily essential but didn't have any caution tape around it, and and I went to the self-scanner, and it actually worked. Because the kids' clothes one, that should have been essential to me. Like, that should have been essential. You know, especially as we entered the summer months, there were people, like, looking for hats. They couldn't even buy a fucking hat. Like, hello? How is that not essential, but you can go buy nail polish? Like, give me a fucking break. So I don't, I didn't care to, to feel guilty about it if I needed something. I know not a lot of people wanted to do that, and that's fine. I did. But I am definitely looking forward to just, like, leisurely shopping. But that means, Scott, I'm not going this weekend. No. This weekend's going to be a goddamn uh, zoo. Yes, I am avoiding... Absolutely. I don't feel like waiting in line for an hour. I mean, you mentioned HomeSense. That's one of the places. Sure, I like to go wander around HomeSense or a Winners any old day of the week. Love it. But I, I'm not that desperate. What I do miss and, and would like to do is donations. I've got so much stuff to donate. And I know there were a couple of causes. I, I had trouble finding places that would accept during that time, a lot of them had to hold off or felt like they had to hold off, at least, in accepting donations. Kids' clothes, particularly, right? Like, I, I mean, tons of shit. Toys, baby stuff that I wanted to get rid of before uh, this happened. So I'm sitting on boxes of stuff that I'm just waiting to donate. So that's going to be my go-to. Is Actually, I'm doing more of a drop-off than a pickup this weekend, I think. And I'm going to avoid patios for the weekend. I have a lot of shit going on anyway uh, for my daughter's birthday. But that's me. I'm, I'm not going to do patio probably until the following weekend. What about you? Are you hitting a patio right away? No. You know what? I don't like patios to begin with. And maybe that's an unpopular opinion. I'm sure I'll end up there at some point because indoor dining can't start until at least July can you believe that? By end the of way? July, right? Is it end of July? Because it's step three. Is that oh, right? Oh, yeah, you're right. Step three is when indoor dining resumes. Um, so national I think that's amp- end of July. I think that brings us to like the 20 something of, of 20, 20 whatever of July, right? Yeah. Fuck you, Doug. Yeah. You, you, you said it, my man. You said it. Fuck. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like to sit at a bar or I like to sit at a nice high top table or stand there with some buddies and shoot the shit. I don't really like being outside drinking or eating. I don't know why. I know some people love it and they're looking forward to it this weekend. Good for you. I'm. Just, it's just not for me. If it's my only option and I have to meet up with somebody, I guess I will. But it's not a go-to for me by any means. Um, I won't be out this weekend, I don't think. Maybe shopping. It's convenient that I can just run in now to Canadian Tire or Home Depot. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. I am really anticipating those lines and I'm not looking forward to it. I don't want to wait in line for shit. I didn't even want to wait in line for my vaccine. So, I mean, fuck, I, I can't see myself lined up to buy, I don't know, new scissors at, at Canadian tire or something. But to those who are going shopping, great. Our businesses have barely hung on and they certainly need you. But let's talk quickly about who's not reopening. Hair salons. Horseshit. No. Total horseshit. Any restaurant or bar that does not or cannot have a patio. Any retailers that are in a mall but don't have an outdoor door uh, access from the street level, they can't open. And that excludes so many businesses. I mean, think about any mall. 
We all know there's some that have got that big storefront entrance in the mall, and you can get into there through the mall or through their front door. Most stores don't, though. Right. Even the fucking Apple store doesn't have its own outdoor entrance. All those businesses have to stay closed. And Kat, I don't understand why at this point, yesterday we had the lowest number of new cases since September 27th, 2020. Lowest number since last September when everything was open. And there's still so many businesses that have to stay closed. Yeah. And it's frustrating to me because these businesses have in almost every case said we're safe. Here's our protocols. Here's what we can do. The mall thing in particular is a weird one to me. Malls are big places. If you want to go into the Apple store this weekend, they can't have more than 15% inside. Great. I would think that they could responsibly distance people in the line outside. I I don't understand why this is a a problem that just cannot be solved. Um, So I watched an interview yesterday with Christine Elliott on that exact subject, and people were saying it was unfair, you know, much like I I assume that you mean, too, that that the malls can't open. They really don't want people congregating in an indoor setting is what she uh, had dumbed it down to is that they couldn't, we can't do it at this phase because too many people will linger and hang out. And that's not what we want. We want you to get into the store, get what you want, and get the fuck out, is basically how she said it. And I'll be honest, like, I do get where she's coming from. Because when the malls were open last, I did see a lot of congregating, more so obviously for younger people than older people. But I did see, you know, people lingering around and so, oh, all right. I mean, I guess I'll give that one a pass, but it still seems it still seems unfair. It almost seems like they should be able to do something else. So why doesn't each mall, let's say, host an outdoor, you know, vending situation, right? I mean, I hope that some places are going to be able to figure out a creative way to still be able to do it, right? Like, why don't we bring the malls outdoors then it, for some of these stores? I wish that, and I hope that that could at least be an option for some people. I'm not sure what the actual, actual answer is, but that was the answer that she gave as to the reason why no malls, too many lingers, basically, and too much con, con, just chilling out, basically, in the mall and lingering. Yeah, I mean, malls have security for a reason. I would think that that's an enforceable thing. And if the difference is opening up or remaining closed, I would think they would all come together and come up with a solution. But, I mean, listen, I don't want to shit on on anybody that is open because I'm of the opinion everything should be open with common sense safety protocols. And even though it's probably perfectly safe, it's a bad look that we just last week shut down the schools for the entire year, but this week we're opening up horse racing again. Mm-hmm. I don't know what this government's obsession with horse racing is, uh, or if it's like make or break to keep the province in the uh, afloat, but it seems like there's been a lot of priority for the stuff like that. You know, I mean, think about the timeline here. Two weeks ago, two weeks ago, Almost every mayor in Ontario had to scream at the top of their lungs and basically shame Doug Ford into allowing splash pads to open. Splash pads. Outdoor water fun for kids in a heat wave. Last week, they announced schools will remain closed until September. This week, bars are opening and horse racing returns. Yeah. What? Think about that timeline. Two weeks. What a difference two weeks made. Fuck. 
it's, uh, like I said, I don't want anything shut down. Nothing should be shut down, in my opinion. I would even, with the right protocols, reopen movie theaters right now and gyms. I think that they can be done safely. It's just that, for whatever reason, we seem to be going at a turtle's (laughs) pace on this. Can I just say, too, uh, on one note about the hairdressers, going back to the hair salons, I have been to the hair salon three times during very heavy protocols. I have never been to a place that I felt more safe, Scott. Like, the protocols at the salon I went to anyway... I don't even understand how you could manage a case for them to remain closed. They should be open. They are doing everything right. They're only, when they are opened and when they were opened before this, they were only allowed like five people, customers in there, depending on the size, right? So let's say your average place. It was so safe. So it's unbelievable to me that that is still considered not safe until step three. I don't I don't think they know what they're doing in a lot of these cases. I do agree with you. More should be opened up. I'm all for it. I I, I try to understand some of the reasoning on, on some of it, but it just, it's, remember it all, everybody. Remember it all, because it's uh, kind of fucked up. Fuck you, Doug! Let's uh, switch gears here from COVID to a couple other things that are going on. Actually, you know what? This one's kind of along the COVID lines, but I don't mind this concept. I know some are going to find it stupid, but I actually don't mind it. It's called social bands. Mm -hmm. It's a thing that you can buy. It's a series of wristbands that can tell others without having to have an awkward conversation, your comfort level. If you're wearing a green wristband, that means it's totally okay in your mind. You're, you're open to handshakes, high fives, hugs, that sort of thing. If someone's wearing a yellow band, That means some touching is okay, but we're still following COVID protocols here. We're going to like elbow bump and stuff like that. If they're wearing a red wristband, stay six feet away. I kind of like that because it is an awkward conversation to have once people start congregating again or you run into a buddy on a patio and think, hey, fuck, I haven't seen you in ages. And you go to shake their hand and they don't want to do it. Yeah. They're just not comfortable yet. Yes. They're not there yet. Uh, and and we are all going to go at our own pace. Um, some people are further ahead than others. Some people not vaccinated, don't want to get vaccinated, but they still are concerned about COVID. They might wear a red bracelet mm-hmm. or yellow at the least. But there's some people who are fully vaccinated that are ready for the hugs and the kisses and the handshakes yeah. and the fucking and everything. <laughs> Whatever it might be. I mean, pick a hole. It's fine. Some people would be like that. I think that this is a great idea for certain occasions. I don't expect all of us to always wear it. Some people can't even remember to put on underwear every single day. So I don't imagine people would remember to wear a a bracelet to show how they feel. But this is a great option. I'm thinking ahead to like weddings. I'm thinking about, you know, expos and um, any kind of large gathering, maybe business conferences. That's a great idea. Hey, at the door. And and you can brand it, right? This is all marketing material. Brand it and choose your color. Are you okay shaking someone's hand? Would you rather fist bump? Would you rather nobody touch you? Do you want someone to fucking bow to you? That's cool. I'd pick that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, like all of these different things and and it lets you know their comfort level so that especially when you meet someone for the first time, because I think we all know how our family and really close friends would feel, but it is really hard when you are meeting someone. And in those business settings, especially, it can be super awkward on any given day, let alone post-pandemic. I'm all for the bracelets. I think we should use these for large gatherings. I think it's a smart idea. I think so, too. They would also be good if you work in a really big workplace when you start having those yes. meetings again. Yep. And you know what? If you could just uh, 
If every workplace is going to hand each employee a series of three, you put it on. And there can be a little memo from the boss to say, if you see somebody wearing a red bracelet, you are to stay six feet away because that's what they would prefer or that's what they have to do. If they're wearing a yellow one, no handshakes, please. Mm-hmm. Green, have at it, fill your boots. I think that that would take a lot of confusion and awkwardness out of the encounters that we're all going to start having again. Um, Bachelorette premiered last night. Mm-hmm. So I actually have some, well, breaking for us now. By the time you hear it, maybe you would have heard these rumors. Uh, but just coming down moments ago, according to Deadline, is that Chris Harrison of the franchise has officially signed an exit deal. What? Yeah. No. So according to this, before we get into last night's very boring episode, um, according to this, he will receive um, a payment. According to Deadline, it is an eight-figure payoff, and it comes with a promise to keep his mouth shut. So you won't see him doing an interview over at NBC, right? At the competitors, you won't see that. Apparently, that's part of the deal. It was a deal signed by Chris, so he at least gets some money on his way out the door. The agreement will reportedly be made public later today. Um, No word what that means for the future of the franchise. We know that the quote-unquote special guests, Caitlin Bristow and Tasha Adams, they were kind of a replacement, but again, they were called special guests, not necessarily co-hosts during last night's episode. But apparently there's no more Chris Harrison. And we also knew that he would not be involved in Bachelor in Paradise, which is going to be like a series of comedians coming and going, apparently hosting. So, yeah, no more Chris. So if that ruins the show for you, you might this might be your exit moment, too. Yeah, and I think that there probably will be some people, not just because of Chris, but also the whole thing was, uh, it was frustrating to a lot of people. I mean, he said something wrong. He acknowledged it was wrong. He went on a journey of learning. He did everything that we want someone to do. And it still wasn't enough. Well, that said, he's got an eight-figure payoff. Uh, something tells me, obviously, because this is a mutual agreement here, that he was probably like, yeah, I'll take that fucking, let's say, $10 million. Let's say it's even $10 million. Yeah, I'll take that $10 million, and I'll go do something else that I've wanted to do for a while. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty nice payday, Scott. Oh, I totally agree with you, and I don't think he's going to want for anything for the rest of his life, and I'm sure he'll probably enjoy being able to watch his kid play in college because his kid graduated and is going off to the NCAA. That's great. Um, Yeah, there's a lot more free time in his horizon. I just, I agree with people who didn't like the way it went down because it feels like you just can't ever recover, and I think that that's wrong. I mean, he did say something wrong. He said why it was wrong. He acknowledged it. He did the the interview mm-hmm. with Michael Strahan, who was a total idiot about the whole thing anyway, because he started talking shit as soon as Chris left. You know, like, I don't know what more he could have done to say he was sorry and to show he was trying to grow and learn and trying to teach others in that journey. And the fact that we kept moving the goalpost on him and saying, no, that's not good enough. Now you got to sit out a season of Bachelor in Paradise. Now you're going to skip the Bachelorette. And now he's leaving altogether. That's a tough look for a lot of people. But anyway, the show was on last night, and maybe this is a good exit for me, too, because it was boring as shit. Yeah. I liked Katie when she was on The Bachelor. Now that she is The Bachelorette, I felt at times when they had Caitlyn Brist... 
Risto, is that her name? Yeah. Bristow? So yeah. they had Caitlin and they had Tasha. Mm-hmm. And they're sort of there as like the best buddy type girlfriend, advisors sort of thing. And then you've got Katie herself as the bachelorette. And at times it was like watching a, just a girl chat. And it was a little weird. They were talking about, oh, this guy's hot. And I like this guy. And this guy said this. And they talk like that. And I found it really irritating, to be honest with you. That's not really why I watched The Bachelorette. Yeah, I and I, you know what? I don't really, I didn't really like, the, it's not me. I'm not The Bachelorette, but I didn't really enjoy the selection of the men either. There's a couple of douchers in there, I thought. And it's funny because they didn't think so. And I thought, okay, <laughs> well, I, whatever. I mean, it is, it is exactly what it's supposed to be. Uh, bleh, reality show. Some people will stay on the bachelor train and they'll ride that thing all the way through until the very end, whatever that might mean. But I'm thinking that they might, I don't know what they're going to end up doing without Chris Harrison. Maybe they're going to try to take it into a little bit of a different direction as well and try something new. I like what they're doing in Australia. Their bachelorette is bisexual. And their bachelorette gets to choose from, I don't know if it's 30 or 40, men and women. I mean, that's an exciting new twist. But maybe they're going to head in that direction. Who knows? I mean, they just finally allowed more than two black people on the season. So the American one is quite far behind (laughs) when it comes to diversity, I would say. Uh, But, hey, you never know what could happen next. Uh, It doesn't surprise me, though, Scott. I will say, this is ABC, man. This is Disney. Disney. they're, They're very careful. They're, they're much more careful than even an NBC would be. And NBC necess- is or and CBS as well, very careful. So they're all being extra cautious. It doesn't surprise me. I am just glad to see that if this report is true, it's a sweet payout for Chris to leave. I mean, he, he did a great – he had a great run on the show. I don't think he, he can really say he didn't. So, How many dates does it take before you know you like someone and want to take it to the next level? Mm. New survey was done. Just under half of people said three dates or less is enough to tell, including 10% who said they will know after one date if it's worth carrying on and taking it to the next level. Mm -hmm. 7% said they wouldn't go out with someone unless they already knew that they liked them a lot. 13% said they needed more than five dates. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there. For the people who said and this was the majority, about three dates, maybe a little less. That's probably right. You go out with someone a few times, you get to know them a bit, a little bit of their past, talk about the future, that sort of thing. You can do more on the second and third date than you can on a first when it comes to asking personal questions and getting to know them. Right. Yeah. Granted. That's true. There is something to that. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Five dates. I don't know what you haven't figured out by the fifth date. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, seems like there's something there, but there's also got to be something there you don't like, and you want to see if your suspicions are correct. Is that a good way to look at it? Yeah, I mean, I would have guessed, before you said the the majority, I was going to guess three, so I'm not surprised that it's three. And if you are one that would say five, yeah, maybe maybe you do want to dive a little bit deeper, or maybe you are a little more complicated, and you want to make sure that they're aware of it, so that if they want to jump ship, they can do that before you get in deeper than five dates. Could there be something to that? Possibly. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's a good possibility. Listen, there's something to be said for really knowing what you're getting into. 
If you're the kind of person who likes to read a lot of reviews before you commit to spending $100 on a product, then yeah, you're probably the type who really wants to vet somebody before you bring them into your life. And when you do take that next step and get a little closer, that is a very intimate and personal thing. So I get wanting to be sure. But let's talk about the right now. There's a lot of people who haven't been out on dates in a while, mainly because of the ridiculous restrictions here in Ontario. 54% of people on dating apps right now say they are looking for a serious relationship. Just over half. 26% that are on dating apps right now just want to (laughs) fuck. That's it. That's all they're looking for. 26% that are on a dating app now really don't care about whether or not you do or don't make it to that fifth date. Maybe not even the third date. They want something now. And here's the only reason why I'm okay with people being upfront in the DMs are is because of those people. You at least you know their intentions. You might want to call them a pig, uh, a jerk, uh, asshole, pervert, but at least their intentions are clear from the get go, and hopefully they can find someone who's also in it for that. I think the dating scene is going to be fucking ridiculous. This is going to be the yes. summer. It's going to be the summer of sex. In Canada and in the U.S., actually around the world, it's going to be the summer of getting it on because of all the restrictions and all the shit. And apparently 54% are looking for something serious right now. Well, sometimes that's how you land that other person. Get them in bed. So I think it's going to be a good summer. Um, especially if you want to get laid. Just be safe because I feel like it's also going to be the summer of clinics. You know what I mean? STDs. Yeah, be safe. Of course you have to be. Uh, Last thing here, and it just came down this morning, but Drake continues to prove that he is a better businessman than rapper. What he just agreed to do in Toronto is insane. Yeah, you know, I wish I had, like, money details on this, but we don't. Our friends at Live Nation sent uh, this down this morning. He's going to help to open up a brand-new entertainment venue in Toronto. It's called History. It is an intimate venue. And I'll be honest, some of my... My most memorable concerts and experiences were in these more intimate settings. So I think he has a good point here. So 2,500 people, that's the capacity of this place. Right. They, they plan to do about 200 concerts a year. Um, very Different artists, um, of course, throughout that are interested in this intimate setting. So I'm going to guess this is going to be more for the either, for those who have been around the block and, and again, and now enjoy the more intimate stuff, like your Garth Brooks, who did that whole dive. I mean, that was really small, but the dive bar thing, right? And then you're going to get your new up-and-coming artists there, too. Either way, hey, a a show and more options in Toronto is more options. Uh, This is in the Beaches neighborhood, for those wondering. It's on uh, Queen Street East. And it's been under construction for the last few years. We just didn't know exactly what to expect, and now we know. Drake is a part of it. I assume, although it's not in this press release, that he will be the very first act when they open their doors, which is uh, the fall, they're hoping. I will just give you a quick statement from Drake. He says, some of my most memorable shows were playing in smaller rooms like history. I wanted to take these memories and what I learned and then create an incredible experience for both the artists and the fans. So apparently he had a lot to do with the actual like mapping of the venue of history. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. In, in case you're wondering, where is 1663 Queen Street East? Like when they say it's in the beaches, where is it? Uh, it would be just north of Woodbine Park. If I'm thinking of the right place. Yeah, uh, it should be just north of Woodbine. So basically think like uh, Queen and Coxwell area. East End for sure. 
Listen, there's a big demand for this. A venue that holds 2,500. That's a good size. It's going to have seating and standing room. That's also great. Right now, if you want to play a venue that size, you're playing some of the theaters or you're playing Rebel. The fact that this is specifically an entertainment venue, that they don't have to open up the balcony, they could open up the balcony. You can have big artists doing intimate showcases, or you can have new artists that are looking for exposure. And there's a lot of acts that have come around in the last 12 to 24 months that haven't really had a chance to get out there and show people what they can do. This is fantastic news for the music industry, and no kidding that Drake is a part of this. He'll have to be the opening act, right? Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. I mean, if he's not, I assume that's part of the deal. I assume it's part of the deal. I mean, he's going to be opening this up with probably several shows, um, probably bringing all the big guns. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a ton of special guests that will come down. His birthday's in October, too. October's very own, OVO, for those that don't know what where OVO comes from. So I, honestly, if I had to, like, place bets on this, I would assume his first show is going to be, like, some kind of a special birthday show uh, to open up history. Uh, and I think inside there might be a little tribute to him, too, although we don't have actually any physical looks they're still building the inside of it, uh, but you can see basically the the map the map draw up, if you will, of what it's going to look like inside at scottandcat.ca. If you guys want to check it out there, I I'm, I mean I would see it. I would go there. I I like like I said some of my favorite shows that I've been to, and I'm not a big concert person. I'll be honest with you. I usually hate concerts that are at big venues. Like if you're telling me that we're gonna go to fucking Rogers Center, it's like the bigger, the worse for me. So I'm all about the more intimate settings. I would definitely go to to this venue. I mean, this basically replaces places like the the Masonic Temple, which has been gone for a long time, but used to be an incredible place to watch a show. Uh, The Horseshoe, smaller venues like that, a little bit bigger than those, a little bit smaller than some of the other ones. Yeah, this fills a, a hole and they'll probably make a shit ton of money off of that. So <laughs> good autumn. All right, Kat, that's all I got for today. But uh, I don't know what kind of bullshit is going to get produced today, but is whatever it is, we will have it fully covered tomorrow when we release another edition of After 9. ScottandCat.ca always has our top trending stories, and you have yourself a fantastic Tuesday. The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold, guaranteed, or he'll buy. This is exciting. Jeff Bezos just announced that next month he'll be flying aboard his company's first manned rocket to space. Yep, Bezos will be the first person in space to look down and say, I actually can see my house from here. (laughs) Bezos will only be in space for about 11 minutes. Which means for 11 minutes, Elon Musk will be like, I am finally the richest man on Earth, 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 Earth. I know the real reason Jeff Bezos wants to go into space. It's so he can see everything he owns. A 30-year-old woman in Texas was arrested for trespassing recently after she allegedly posed as her 13-year-old daughter and spent the day at her school. Damn, lady, why didn't you just enjoy high school when you were there? Wait, oh, so she's 30, your daughter's 13? Oh, okay, okay, I see. Hey, I saw that Royal Caribbean just announced that they will set sail from U.S. ports beginning next month and vaccines won't be required for passengers. In related news, Royal Caribbean will soon be quarantining a thousand people. 
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.